2: Papa Echo November, good afternoon, uh, read you five Good afternoon, read you five as well, Papa Echo November
0: And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. Coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at ExonradioTV.com On MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com. And our website, com. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour, is no stranger to anyone who knows anything about UFOs. Micah Hanks is my guest, and we're going to be talking to Micah this hour about his new book entitled The UFO Singularity. Now Micah is a full-time journalist, radio personality, author, and investigator of The Unexplained. Since an early age, he has been fascinated with strange mysteries and Fortean phenomenon, a field of study for the pioneering researcher of all things strange, Charles Fort. Now, Micah's exposure to Fort's work, as well as the later writings of personalities such as zoologist Ivan T. Sanderson, cosmologist Carl Sagan, and several others helped establish an open-minded but inherently skeptical approach to studying the unexplained, which, which Micah maintains and continues to cultivate today, much like numerous influences that he has had Of past decades. Now, throughout his many years of studying the world mysteries, Mike has visited a number of places collecting information, but not only on aliens and UFOs, but also cultural data, folklore, and reports of strange creatures like Sasquatch. Joining me now from his home in Asheville, North Carolina, is my guest this hour, the author of The UFO Singularity. Micah Hanks. And Micah, welcome back to the X-Zone.
1: Oh, it's so good to be back. Uh, Yes, indeed. And of course, always, always a pleasure uh, to grace the airwaves of the X-Zone. One of my favorite places aside from my own bunker, uh, (laughs) hundreds of miles beneath the Earth's surface,
0: Rob. (laughs) First of all, Micah, congratulations on another great book, The UFO Singularity. And I have to ask you, what what was your inspiration for writing this book?
1: Well, you know, uh, it initially really kind of uh, came out of uh, discussions I've been having with my brother, who incidentally also is an engineer and producer of my weekly podcast, The Grailian Report. Yeah. Caleb and I were both raised interested in strange phenomena because my parents, uh, you know, they enjoyed, I think, sitting around the campfire with us, you know, down here in the Appalachian Mountains where mm-hmm. we are, and they would, they would tell stories and things like that, and so it instilled wondering, curiosity in both our minds, but uh, as I've gotten older, And as the the bio that you gave there uh, actually states, you know, I I do take at times a skeptical approach to this. You know, you have to really if you're going to find the ultimate truth. By the same token, I'm not the kind of person who goes Mm -hmm. looking to debunk anyone else's claims. And so what led to the writing of the UFO singularity was looking at ufology and saying, okay, what do we really know? And based on what we do know, what actual available evidence we have, what determinations can we come to about UFOs? And rather than constantly looking to the past, as I noted, and again, you know, and and I've I've said many times before, Charles Fort, Ivan Mm -hmm. Sanderson, and many others have influenced my own research, but rather than looking like so many others constantly toward the past, I also look to the future. And future science, something that continuously is brought up and discussed, is technological singularity, the potentials that may exist in our future and how future science may change, not only the way we perceive the world, but also humans ourselves. So all those subjects are addressed within the context of ufology in the UFO singularity, stemming from conversations with uh, my younger brother, Caleb, who first brought singularity to my attention.
0: All right. Now, Micah, you and I have to take a two-minute commercial break. We'll be right back. Exonation Nation, Micah Hanks is my special guest this hour. The UFO Singularity is his new book. His website is www.grealianreport.com. That's www.grealianreport.com. And Micah and I will be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break. As we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, here in the X-Zone, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and soon on Turquoise Radio. I'll be back with Micah Hanks in two minutes. Don't go away. Exo Nation, Micah Hanks is my special guest this hour. We're talking to Micah about his new book entitled The UFO Singularity. His website is graylianreport.com. Micah, what do you mean exactly when you refer to what you call the UFO Singularity?
1: Yes. Well, you know, coming out of the last segment, I guess that's a logical next step is Mm -hmm. we talk about using the singularity to better define perhaps what a futuristic kind of technology or maybe even a UFO technology is. Maybe we should define singularity, and that uh, loosely defined, I think, would be uh, the creation of an intelligence or a variety of intelligence that exceeds natural levels of human intelligence. The Singularity Institute even says it uh, probably even more concisely than that. They say the creation of smarter-than-human intelligence. And so naturally what we seem to be getting at here, Rob, is the creation of artificial synthetic intelligences or perhaps the utilization of technologies that might literally take the human mind or the human brain and the inner workings of the human mind and consciousness and actually enhances the performance of the human brain utilizing advanced technology of the future. That We're probably only a few years away from the very beginnings of that kind of technology, and I argue two things in relation to UFOs. A, once we have technology that will augment human thinking and perhaps human perception, mm-hmm. there may be a lot of aspects as as they pertain to the universe around us Uh, that begin to manifest, if you will, a little differently from how they do right now. And two, I also would argue that when we look at existent reports in UFO studies, we're already dealing with a variety of technology that appears to exceed what we know to exist right now. Some would even say that that is evidence of an intelligence that perhaps is a little further beyond what you or I are capable of right now, natural human intelligence levels And so again, once we begin to augment or create synthetic intelligences that exceed natural human levels, we're getting into the realm of something that is very close to what is reported already in the realm of UFO reports. And So the UFO singularity looks at that very necessary bridge Mm -hmm. between artificial intelligence, transhumanism, subjects that aren't really comfortable for a lot of people, including myself, and how they relate to UFOs.
0: Is it possible, Micah, that... We have, or certain sectors of society, have reached this next level of intelligence, and they are, in fact, responsible for what we call extraterrestrial UFOs, which may be, in fact, terrestrial.
1: You know, that's a good question. And, and I'll say this, that that seems to be a an idea that is, uh, although still fairly... I wouldn't say it's necessarily new but mm-hmm. certainly the popular use of and and discussion of an idea like that that UFOs in essence aren't extraterrestrial but that there's something else that again utilizes technology and intelligence that exceeds what natural you know levels of human intelligence or at very least technologies available to the common man should be capable of doing. Um, that is something that more and more people begin to take seriously and have begun to look at and so again within the context of artificial intelligence and futurism, I look at UFOs and say, well what technology are we dealing with here? Are we so sure as many for you know decades and decades have said are we so sure that we're dealing with something that is clearly without question extraterrestrial And I would argue actually that there is a lot of evidence that suggests that but by the same token Rob evidence and proof are different mm-hmm. things, and we can't take evidence and say that that is indeed hard, you know, unquestionable proof. I think that many people confuse those two, and while the evidence does exist, we don't have hard proof that extraterrestrial visitation is ongoing, or that at very least, all UFO reports are undeniably extraterrestrial. There could be any number of different things going on that we're perceiving as being ufological in nature, or it even could be the case that there are a variety of different things Perhaps some UFOs do represent extraterrestrial technology. Perhaps some are literally what we might call time travelers from the future. Mm -hmm. It could be that others are perhaps something along the lines of, you know, an advanced technology that emanates from right here on Earth. So there could be multiple uh, source phenomenon here in which there are different kinds of phenomenon, all of which at times fall under that broader categorization of being unidentified flying objects.
0: Let me ask you this, Micah. Many people within the UFO community believe that there has been and there is proof of reverse engineering from craft that has crashed on this planet and uh, the number one crash that they point to is the crash, the alleged crash in Roswell, New Mexico going back to 1947. If in fact we do have this knowledge, whether it is at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base or at Area 51, would the space industry, as we have it today, really be necessary?
1: That's a good question. And I think that uh, another area of interest uh, in my own research, I mm-hmm. addressed this in the UFO Singularity, and I noticed that a lot of other researchers, whether it be those who look back to the Second World War and Nazi technology, oh, yeah. or they look you know, to present-day things, they all ask the question of whether or not there is what we might effectively call a secret Space program. It, it does seem strange at times that there is what we know to be the space program, whether it be the American space program or joint operations with Russia and other countries, or even other countries in their own independent space operations. And then there are, of course, the public domain space operations, you know, that are ongoing today. The privatization, if you will, of space exploration. And somewhere in the midst of all that, the preponderance of reports of exotic-looking aircraft on planet Earth has caused some of the more skeptical researchers, and myself included, to ask seriously, and I think it is a question that should be treated seriously, how likely is it that there is a secret space program? Mm -hmm. And if that is indeed a potential, where did that technology come from? Could it be that there is some sort of a clandestine organization working behind the scenes and that all this time they've been right under our noses but kept out of sight and that this technology is indeed something that emanates from here on Earth? Or could it be that it's an earthbound technology that drew its influence from someplace else? Now, I have no proof whatsoever mm-hmm. that, that there were recovered extraterrestrial aircraft recovered either from Roswell, or Aztec, or any place else, and that those technologies were captured, reverse engineered, and reproduced, and that those are what UFOs are. They are actually ours but they were initially borrowed from alien technologies. I couldn't prove that. But we are obviously dealing with something that is very difficult to wrap our heads around, something that's very strange. And I think that we have to ask all the different questions and look at all the different possibilities if we're to come to a determination. And that is just as honest, I guess, an approach as any to take because, again, I think it's not quite as simple as what some have asserted. Some of my fellow skeptical kindred Mm -hmm. will just tell you that, oh, people just lie. I don't think that the evidence suggests that people are just lying. I think that quite the contrary, there is some truth to the UFO enigma, maybe not in all cases, but perhaps in the majority of them, and whatever that truth is, it's indicative of advanced exotic technology. Perhaps some of it did come from reverse engineering. I couldn't prove that, but it had to come from somewhere, didn't it?
0: It it did, but when you look at the paranormal in general, and, and I'm talking about the widest scope possible, ghost, hauntings, EVP, Bigfoot, um, and the list goes on and on and on. With the number of people that are involved in the investigation, the research, whether it be whether it be professional or amateur, there is still no concrete evidence or proof to substantiate any of these claims. So how I would agree. can so how? How does this keep on going if, gosh, I've been doing this show for 21 years now, and no matter what the field has been, there has been no proof to substantiate anything. And yet, the popularity of this field keeps growing.
1: Yeah, I think, Rob, that a lot of people would argue that there is proof. Now, I'm more of of the mindset, uh, you know, along the lines of what you've already Mm -hmm. expressed, I think again that there's a lot of evidence of something and that this something it's several somethings not mm-hmm. not even within the contract uh, context of, a, of different varieties of anomalous phenomena bigfoot and cryptozoology or UFOs and you know unexplained aerial phenomena I, I mean within the context of just one of those like UFOs as sure. I've already said we could be dealing with a variety of different technologies that nonetheless still would constitute being unidentified but aerial objects and hence they're UFOs by definition, right? And so I think that when we have to take into consideration all these these different possibilities, there's plenty of evidence of something, but it doesn't prove anything except for the fact that maybe if there's one thing that can be said uh, to be provable, it might be that uh, there are anomalous occurrences that take place on Earth. I don't think that all of the anomalous occurrences that are reported are simply bunk or that are purely imaginary experiences that people make or that they outright lie just to get attention. This is certainly an aspect at times that has to be taken not only into consideration but taken as fact that people do lie, people do confabulate, people do, you know, uh, draw from bad source material and (laughs) think that, you know, that they're giving, uh, you know, good information about something that they're well-educated on when, in fact, they've been either given misinformation or they've misinterpreted, uh, you know, even good data. There are a lot of different ways that untruths can be presented into the field, and so there are times where people can unknowingly propagate myths and, uh, you know, unrealities, if you will. But I don't think that that the entire uh, realm of the unexplained can be, well, you know, for lack of a better term, explained away as just being people's either misinterpretation or outright lying. I think that there are clearly, and this is the one thing that's provable, as i would said, there are clearly anomalous instances, but we can't use the evidence of anomalous occurrences in our reality as being proof of, for instance, extraterrestrial visitation. That's just one interpretation that we utilize to try and reconcile with the apparent presence of anomalies in our reality.
0: All right, Micah, stand by. Great having you with us here in the Exo. And Exo Nation. my guest this hour is Micah Hanks. He has a new book. It's entitled... The UFO Singularity. For more information on Mike, if you'd like to listen to his podcasts, visit his website, www.graylianreport.com. That's www.graylianreport.com. 1-800-610-7035. Worldwide toll-free. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com and our website, TV.com. Micah Hanks is my guest, and I will be back with Micah on the other side of the news as we continue from our studios here in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. History,
2: legend, tales, and facts. Us all together, and it's a reason for a fact. Where the redwoods reach the skies. Three men with a gold and a pack that they hold and a promise till the day that they die.
0: Dot Xone Radio TV dot com But
2: try to understand Try to understand Try try try, try to understand that magic girl. What's it take? Spot, looking back on yesterday because you hadn't seen sun you tend to disbelieve though you've never known death when someone dies you grieve though you never see
0: Exonation our guest this hour is Micah Hanks. We're talking about Micah's new book entitled The UFO Singularity, his website www.grailianreport.com. Again, Micah, congratulations on a great book. Um, but I did notice that you not only take a look at the future in your book, you also take a look in the past. And, um, you, you know, you you've, you look at technology of the past. And I was wondering if you could tell us something about the 19th century airships and how those relate to your premise regarding UFOs.
1: Yes, you know, because aside from relating to the premise, it would have to just be a fascination I have with early reports of, uh, you know, well, unexplained aerial Mm -hmm. phenomena. Now, a lot of people dismiss those reports, and the reason that I bring them up in the UFO Singularity is because, in addition to looking at things from the perspective of there being advanced technologies, either that maybe will be developed in the coming years, or as I do suppose and I do address in the book, uh, the potential that those kinds of technologies might be existent today. Uh, albeit in secret, for, for various uh, reasons, maybe not necessarily, uh, you know, kept hidden away by government agencies and institutions, but uh, you know, quite possibly by private institutions just as well. Uh, I argue that those kinds of technologies might be existent somewhere on Earth today, and there are an, any number of different conspiracy theories and, and approaches and ideas that we could bring to the table in terms of understanding how exactly that might happen. But looking at the airship reports from the late 19th century, I think that we have to think along the same lines. Some of the more credible reports, and there's a fantastic uh, couple of books that have been written about uh, unconventional aviation history by the author J. Allen Danilek, who I interviewed for the book. Danilek looks at the great airship mystery of the late 19th century and the sightings over Southern California and the like as being potential evidence of... Some nascent uh, you know, craft, some sort of a, you know, a very earth-bound you know, bound technology, but nonetheless something highly advanced for the day, might not have been so advanced by today's standards. But perhaps there was a potential that someone out there was building some sort of an incredibly advanced airship, mm-hmm. and that some of the better instances reported by the, uh, the, the larger dailies, the newspapers and things back in the day, they may have been actually not just merely reporting hoaxes, as is often assumed about those reports. Uh, You know, Tall Tales or Whoppers, as they were called, even Sam Clemens, otherwise known as uh, um, Mark Twain, had even written a couple of those because that drove interest to these newspapers back in the day. But it could have been the fact that rather than that this was a hoax, that maybe there was some truth to at least a couple of those stories. And the general idea would be that maybe perhaps some private enterprise was ongoing where they were trying to develop, you know, a much more formidable airship than what existed or was known to exist at that time. And I think that much as we could say that that potential exists today, we could look at the airship mysteries, the better-reported cases from the turn of the last century, and say maybe that the same thing was going on there just as well, which is something, although in a speculative fashion, uh, that J. Allen Danilek uh, discusses in his work. And so I looked at that. We begin there, and with that idea, the motif, there could be technologies that run parallel To human history, but perhaps behind the scenes, uh, we look at the potential for the creation of technologies here on Earth that could explain some UFO encounters. But there are problems with assuming that all of them can be explained away in such a fashion. Uh, You know, even since writing the UFO Singularity, uh, uh, my uh, research uh, compatriot and a good friend at Open Minds, uh, Mr. Antonio Huenus, actually brought to my attention uh, attention a... um, a series of documents that were released by the Italians uh, that had to do with what were called, I guess, the fascist UFO files. And in these files, Rob, they talked about uh, sightings of what really were described as being flying saucers, you know, the the cigar-shaped objects, all the classic UFO shapes that the Italians were seeing even prior to the Second World War. And so it seems very unlikely that this was some sort of a technology that was kept secret and that was being innovated that far back, back. And yet was also a technology capable of perhaps exceeding known technologies existent here on Earth today. It does seem at times that we are dealing with something that could not be explained by a mere casual survey of history and even the more clandestine operations of known human-built aviation. I think that there's definitely something else going on, but I think that we can look at, in that context, the airship mysteries and give them a second glance, at least in a few of the better instances.
0: What about the... Uh, the foo fighters of world war 2 where do they fit into the entire scenario and and was was germany working on ufo's or what we consider to be ufo's today during that time
1: the best that i can tell uh, they they probably weren't actually now a lot of people would say oh but you don't know about the mm-hmm. bell you know this has been popularized recently and i, I actually think that there's a, a a good chance that the nazis were working on some sort of very highly advanced or several different kinds of advanced physics projects. They may have even been designing aircraft that were similar to saucers, but whether or not they literally got one off the ground I think is a different story. Um, I think that uh, if, if anything, probably what happened during the Second World War and why the UFO mystery seems to have erupted into our uh, public consciousness around that time and thereafter with the reports of the Foo Fighters and then the Ghost Rockets, Uh, and then, of course, flying saucers and the UFOs that were beginning to be reported, you know, really pretty widespread Mm -hmm. by around 1947. I think that really probably what was going on there was rather than the Nazis having created some sort of a technology, okay, and, of course, inevitably after the fall of the Reich, uh, the United States and, of course, the Allies entering Germany, finding evidence of that technology and then suppressing it, albeit, you know, all the same pumping, you know, taxpayer dollars into programs like, you know, NASA's, quote unquote, front, you know, space program, Mm -hmm. secret space programs going on. I think rather than all that, that there were technologies like radar and there were technologies that were being innovated during the Second World War years that probably allowed humans a greater ability technologically to perceive some sort of a phenomenon that had been existent in our midst all along. but We weren't armed with the proper technology to be able to perceive it as easily. And then with the use of radar and similar technologies, we began to notice that there was something going on. These UFOs were almost undeniable at that point. And again, I think that what that tells us is that as we progress into the future, Rob, we're going to be utilizing Mm -hmm. more technologies in the coming years that will help us to only come closer to understanding the UFOs in a similar fashion. It's just been a very slow build over the last few decades.
0: All right, let's go back in time a little bit when we talk about UFOs. Let's go back to 1947, the alleged crash at Roswell, New Mexico. How does Roswell figure into all of this?
1: You know, that's a good question. Uh, because my approach to Roswell, I, I'm like anyone else, um, mm-hmm. I'm very curious about reports of a alleged UFO crash landing there. I even spoke at one point to a man who uh, claimed that he had worked uh, for a few years at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And although he told me some interesting stories, he never said anything that had anything to do with you know, alien crashes Mm -hmm. or wreckages or bodies or anything that had been kept there, at least that he knew about. But then again, by the same token, if he had, you know, been contracted to work under the U.S. government, he was probably also not going to tell me the real, you know, dirt on anything that might have taken place there while he was employed. Um, So the thing is, is that, we're left with a lot of stories about Roswell, and I think that probably the listenership is well enough familiar with that. We don't have to get into what happened at Roswell. People know UFO crash. Yeah. There were allegedly bodies found. The recovered saucer was taken to Patterson. Bodies taken away, and and you know it was all hush-hush. You know, and, and That's, in essence, what's going on. And then, of course, the controversy and the conspiracy that has emanated around that story for years and years and years. But I think the important thing to understand about Roswell is that Like a lot of these UFO stories, I think that there is obviously some truth. Mm -hmm. Something happened. Some incident occurred in 1947 on Mac Brazel's land. The Air Force responded, and yes, there are aspects of the Roswell mystery that are still kept quiet to this day. But I don't think that we have enough information to be able to conclusively state, although it has seemed like this at at times. I don't think we have enough information to prove that an extraterrestrial vehicle actually crashed at Roswell, and that what we recovered was an extraterrestrial Mm -hmm. vehicle piloted by aliens. By the same token, some of the other interpretations of the Roswell crash, you know, that involve such things as genetically manipulated children that, you know, the Russians sent over in a remote-controlled craft, these ideas get pretty far out there just as well. And even some of the better UFO researchers out there uh, that have come and gone. Stanton Friedman, of course, you know, he maintains that it is uh, indeed uh, evidence of an extraterrestrial craft, but there have been others like Kevin Randall who have said, you know, after looking at the evidence, yes, exactly. we have to maybe, maybe second-guess Yeah. So, so where do I stand on Roswell and how does it relate to all this? Roswell's probably evidence of secret technologies all the way back in 1947 that were far more advanced mm-hmm. than what we knew to exist at the time, but it doesn't prove to my mind that it was extraterrestrial.
0: You know, Michael, one of the most interesting stories about a UFO sighting covered in your book, The UFO Singularity, is the story of an encounter that took place in Locust Grove, Georgia in 1973 near a power substation. Tell us about this incident.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the story that was related to me by a gentleman named Mike Reese, who actually lives here in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at least an hour and a half or two, maybe uh, from from where I am. And so he's close enough to actually reach out to. And from time to time, even since the book was published, you know, Mike and I've managed to be able to find time to get together. Everybody's busy these days. But uh, his story was interesting to me because it was this story about this flying saucer, a classic flying saucer, hovering over a power station. And I've always been intrigued by stories like that, because whether it be nuclear power stations or, as in this case, it was kind of just an electrical power mm-hmm. substation off of a little highway south of Atlanta, these stories nonetheless seem to persist where UFO craft hover directly over power stations. If you look back in uh, you know, Frank Scully's book, uh, Behind the Flying Saucers, yeah. I think that there were a few references in that book, to, uh, you know, uh, I think there was one specifically that had to do with uh, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, the nuclear plant there. You know, there had been a flying saucer that had been witnessed by several of the employees hovering over this this, uh, uh, power facility. And uh, my uncle, in fact, actually, who'd even worked in uh, South Florida uh, many decades ago, had talked about uh, having friends in the aerospace industry who'd told similar stories about little saucers that would come and they would appear in the sky and they would appear as though they were hovering and watching activity that was going on at different power stations and things like that and also areas of interest for ter- you know purposes of anything from aerospace and and you know uh, you know engineering to aviation all these sorts of things. So you know, what is going on here? Are UFOs drawing sapping power from our power you know stations or something like that? Are they observing us? Are they watching us? stands to reason that something's going on, and what I think this kind of behavior, as my friend Mike Reese described in 1973, when he encountered a UFO hovering over a power substation, uh, late at night, he was with his family, and he saw this thing hovering, he jumped out of the car and began to wave his arms and describe this thing hovering over the, the station. What it seems to say is that whatever these craft are doing, they do seem to have an interest in the technologies of earthlings, (laughs) earthlings, <laughs> presuming that these things were not earthling, and if they are earthling, I think that that betrays a lot about them, what their motivations might be. If UFOs are, are actually they wouldn't even have to be alien or human, it wouldn't really necessarily have to matter. They could be anything. They could be robots for all I care, but I think that their interest in nuclear sites especially shows that they have a vested interest in earthly happenings, and what that has to mean is that these craft, are probably being operated by beings who really have taken an interest, or it is meaningful to them that nuclear prol- proliferation, you know, weaponization mm-hmm. nuclear, uh, you know, uh, power and energy and, and technology. It's it's important to them that these things don't get out of hand. So does that mean that the actual occupants are themselves from here, or that if they were extraterrestrial, that they have a base here? Who knows? But I think that in the conclusion, by observing a little more carefully those kind of stories and thinking carefully about why they would have a vested interest in the ongoing activities of planet Earth, perhaps we could stand to learn or even predict aspects of the behavior of the occupants of UFO craft, and eventually it'll help us to predict and maybe even learn something new about them.
0: Let me ask you this hypothetical question. I've got about a minute before I have to take my next break, Micah. Tensions are starting to grow between the United States and North Korea. North Korea claims it now has a nuclear weapon that could land on U.S. soil, the U.S. is saying in uncertain terms. I wouldn't even think of it if I were you. Now, if the time ever came where a country was to push the button in retaliation to another country's preemptive strike, do you think that these visitors, whoever they are, would step in and say, "Uh, uh, uh."
1: You know, uh, there's a. <laughs> this would sound absurd to some people, but I, I would say that there's a good chance, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh,
0: Let Let's Let's know, do a little bit of a cliffhanger here. I have to take my break, sure. and I, I don't want to cut you, uh, cut you off as you start your explanation, because I've got a funny feeling it's going to be a great one. Micah Hanks is my very special guest, a good friend of the Exxon. For his podcast and to get more information on Micah, visit his website, grailionreport.com. That's www.grailionreport.com. And Micah has a brand new book out. It's entitled The UFO Singularity. Micah and I will be back on the other side of this brief commercial message as the exome continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
2: Tell me who's to say You think that we'd have come this far Looking back on yesterday Because you hadn't seen sun You tend to disbelieve
0: Welcome back to The x everyone. Micah Hanks is our special guest. He's got a brand new book out entitled The UFO Singularity. And if you'd like to find out more about Mike, if you'd like to listen to his podcasts, very simple, just go to www.gralienreport.com. And Micah, where can our listeners get a copy of your book?
1: Well, the book is available in bookstores everywhere, but of course you can also go on amazon.com and all the other major online book retailers. If people would like to go to my website, I've got those linked up for them at their convenience. Super. Of course, they're at braillereport.com as well.
0: All right, before we went to the commercial break, we were I I asked you a hypothetical question that if two countries were to push the button and there was a nuclear attack in progress, would the ETs interfere?
1: You know, and it's a good question. Uh, Now, I will hesitate to say uh, ETs. The only reason why is because my answer would not necessarily presuppose that extraterrestrials are actually piloting. Okay, point taken. Point taken. Maybe maybe they are. Maybe they are. You know, again, you know, I've spoken with Stanton Friedman about this many times, Mm and Stanton. His you know entire interpretation is that when we first initiated uh, the nuclear age and we dropped you know weapons on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, what actually happened there is that we flagged the attention of extraterrestrials. Now, but it, but if that was the case, another...
0: but if that was the case, what about the early sightings of UFOs that have been found, you know in caves, in hieroglyphics, in glyphs?
1: Yeah, exactly. That would indicate that there is some sort of an ongoing interaction Mm -hmm. or that the technology maybe was here in our midst prior to uh, the utilization of nuclear weapons, which is what I actually think. But by the same token, I also am known as being a person who doesn't necessarily advocate an extraterrestrial hypothesis. So how can it be both? How can it not be alien, but also be something that maybe goes back to time immemorial? We have to take into consideration all the possibilities. If it's not an existent technology or something that's a crypto-terrestrial technology to borrow mac tony's terminology for it could very well be that there are maybe what we'd literally call time travelers who are moving back and forth through temporality as we know it and so before we run out of time to answer your initial question I think it could be very likely that this technology, whatever it is, could intervene if another nuclear war were to take place. And the reason why is because since the Second World War, there have been many new, uh, nuclear weapons tests and things like this, uh, where governments and generals, and you know, pilots, and then, of course, you know, those who have uh, you know been on site at these kinds of testings have said that uh, not only were there UFOs, unidentified flying objects, present in the skies, but that these things on some occasions even disabled these nuclear weapons. And these have been popularized, these stories, on you know, Larry King's program, yeah. as well as in a, a variety of different magazines, Leslie Kane's book on the subject. And so what I would say is, again, that betrays one thing about the UFOs and their intentions. They do have a vested interest in the ongoing happenings here on planet Earth. So what does that tell us about them? Are they more... Well, maybe akin to being Earthlings than being aliens. Who knows? But I do think that there's a strong possibility that there's a technology keeping watch, whether for good or for ill. I don't necessarily know that I like the idea of someone running around up there in the sky, capable of pushing the big button, so to speak, but we don't sure. know who they are.
0: <laughs> Mike, I want to thank you ever so much for joining us. Continued success. And uh, the door is always open here at the X-Zone, Mike. Don't be a stranger. And until the next time we do meet here in the X-Zone, Thank you very much for joining us. And once again, congratulations on your new book that, uh, that makes people think. It's entitled The UFO Singularity, and Micah's website is www.graelianreport.com. Take care, Micah. Thank you, Rob. All right, Exxon Nation, we'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as the Exxon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell, right here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.